You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Megna Method Podcast, and I am very fortunate today to sit down with Chief Revenue Officer of Beasley Media Group. She's known as the Boss in Heels, who's on a quest to empower women all over the world. Welcome to the show, Heather Monahan. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you here. I've heard so much about this positive young lady, and I'm really, really excited to have her on the show. We're going to get into a bunch of things today, but first, let's start off with Heather, who you are and where you're from. Tell us where you're from and what you're doing now. Tell us a little bit about the Beasley Media Group and what your own personal brand is is quickly becoming. It's such a strong brand, but what it's becoming. So I'm originally from Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, grew up in the hood. I didn't know you are from Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Go Pats. Wow. Big That's Pats incredible. Fan, Red Sox fan, living the dream in Miami now. So... Um, grew up in Worcester and have moved around a bit for work and now I have been in Florida and specifically in Miami for over 10 years. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer for Beasley Media Group. We've got 52 amazing radio stations, fantastic digital properties and events all over this country. So I'm really proud of, um, of what my day job is and most recently have started working on a personal brand to really give access and insight into who I am and, and empower women by providing accessibility to my story and what I've gone through so that they can learn from it. Well, it, it sounds amazing, but tell us a little bit about that story. So you grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts, and tell us a little bit about what your upbringing is like to, you know, we wanna understand how you arrived in that position because it's a tall task and a huge responsibility to empower young women or empower women all over the world. Tell us about your upbringing. So I grew up one of four kids in Worcester, Mass. Um, my mother was divorced when I was very young and took on a very tough role developing and raising four kids without very much money, working three jobs to make ends meet, which was really tough. Um, at the time, wasn't tough on me because it's all I knew, right? So that was our life and I've got amazing siblings, so we had a lot of fun but had random people watching us and, and really kind of watched ourselves a lot of the time. So very different um, upbringing, I think, than, than some people have experienced, but learned a lot of, um, a lot of life lessons going through that time and, um, and was able to get through it. My family ended up moving to Seattle right after I graduated college. And in that time, I was dating a guy for a number of years, figured I would marry with him and be with him forever. Um, and it ended up that he was cheating on me and I didn't know about it. Um, shocker, you know, the girl never knows. So I guess I didn't really want to see that was happening because I was going through a tough time with my family leaving. And um, I caught him cheating on me, tried to work through it, couldn't do it. I just, that was something I couldn't get over. I really just, that's a deal breaker for me. And found myself on my own without my family working really hard have at that this time I was working at the gala winery and I was doing really well and um, went through a, a tough couple of months which ended up yielding an opportunity I met a really successful individual at an event and um, this guy had a startup company and saw something in me when he met me and, and offered me a job. I went to work with him right thereafter. And instead of really dealing with what had happened with my family leaving and, and breaking up with my boyfriend, I decided to just put my entire self and life into work, which um, since then I've evolved from. But at that time, that's how I got by and how I coped. So put myself 100% into my job and into the opportunity that was presented in front of me and, and jumped on it, did really well, learned a lot from this mentor who was a very difficult person. A lot of people didn't like working for him. Devils were uh, the male version, Devils were, were his Prada? The, you know. What I, was so difficult? 
I've seen him throw a stapler at people. No. I don't even know if I should say that. Yeah, no, this is going back. This is a long time ago, right? So this is um, this is one of my first jobs. So this is a, a really long time ago when I think things used to fly that don't fly now. This is before active HR, right? There you go. We definitely didn't have HR in this small company. And it was crazy and it was intense, but he appreciated my work ethic, my drive and my want and will and commitment to succeed. So he worked with me and I produced. So he was willing to invest in me. Over a year's time, he decided to make me a partner and um, gave me the opportunity to move to Michigan. I was in my early 20s. I don't remember how old I was, maybe 24 years old. And I got the opportunity to go to Michigan and um, we had a joint venture where I had to move there and run the stations, but he provided the money and financing to give me that opportunity. And um, I gave three years of my life to living in Michigan and running those properties for him. And I think we took a $30 million property and sold it for 55 million three years later. We did an amazing job. Wow, that's serious. So aside from the stapler experience, what do you think were the number one takeaways from that that experience other than having a tough boss and grinding through it and basically paying your dues in the workplace? What was the most valuable experience that you gained from that that first stop or that first big hit? I didn't know it at the time, but the moment you start respecting yourself and creating boundaries with people like that, you command respect. I did not do that in that window of time. I've since learned that, but now when I can reflect upon that, that's something I should have done differently and I would have moved forward much more rapidly had I made those choices. I didn't know to do that. So looking back, um, what I did well was I worked really hard and I delivered results and that provided me experience and a reputation that propelled me along in my industry and, and for me professionally. But what I really learned was I need to set boundaries with people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Boundaries, hard work, and you built your reputation. So you represent, your reputation precedes you, and it takes you to your next stop, which is? I, I went to work for Beasley Media Group from mm-hmm. that point. My um, old boss had put a non-compete on my position, and then we sold the company, and they tried to retain my employment, which I wasn't interested in doing at that point because then I wouldn't be an equity partner any longer. I'd be an employee. And I went to him, this guy was my only mentor at the time, and he's the guy who had developed me. And I couldn't work for him any longer. And remember, my family was gone, they had moved away, I had moved, my boyfriend had cheated on me. All these negative events had occurred and I was living out there alone, dedicated 100% to work. And now I was 27 years old. And I just, I was somewhat lost. And so I went to my boss, who wasn't my boss anymore, and I said, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And he said, you go to work for one other guy, and that's George Beasley. And he's the founder of my company that I now work for. So I flew down, met with his son, and within a week's time, we had a deal worked out, and I went to move to Florida and work for them. Wow, that happened fast. So you go from Michigan to, first of all, you have the weight of the world in your shoulders. Things are not going well. Lots of negative uh, uh energy around you lots of tough circumstances then you move from michigan to florida what was that transition like amazing <laughs> going from michigan well, to florida knows, is yeah, amazing exactly well michigan we think snow florida you think beaches sand suntans all that good stuff what was your first six months in where were you in florida you first got miami first naples okay naples so you you kind of eased into it let's be honest you didn't come straight to south beach or no. miami because if that's it's a, bit, a little bit of shock that's what i right. did um, what was you eased into it uh, your first six months you're in Naples what is that like adapting to the Florida culture well um, per my usual there were challenges right so um, on the outside looking in I'm sure people would think that it's been easy this is another example yet of any other window of my life where there was massive challenges to overcome so I arrived in Naples and I'm the single young girl and people perceive me in one way which is not, there's a lot more to me than what you would see on the outside looking in. And especially when I was younger, that was hard because people definitely perceive you a certain way and create their own stories about you, which aren't necessarily true. So you're always overcoming that adversity as well as coming in as a young female manager. There's a lot of challenges that people don't necessarily want to listen to you or respect you initially. So for me, walking into that job was tough because my predecessor was a much older person and somebody that um, had been in the market a long time. So I was coming in as the new guy, the young guy, and somebody that looked like maybe I didn't deserve that job based upon how I looked. 
So I decided I'm going to come in like a bull in a china shop and I'll be so tough and I'll fire people and I'm going to force respect and create some attention. Okay. Not knowing how the rest of the story finishes, would, <laughs> would you, in hindsight, would you have gone back and maybe not played it that way? Or would you, was that the best way to do it, even looking back? Was that perfect, the best way to go, command respect, attack it? I've never seen perfect in my life, right? So I don't, <laughs> I don't know that that exists. But I would say I don't know that I do it differently because given the situation, and it is unique being a female and being younger in business, especially in a male-dominated industry, you need to really create some level of strength for people to understand that you're serious. And for me, I needed to make a mark. I made that mark and I made it quickly. I don't, but let, let me also say, I literally have the nicest, kindest, most sweet boss in the world. So he was a person advising and directing me. So when I would make big decisions, I would call him first. For example, I wanted to terminate two people my first week. He said, mm -hmm. you know what, pick one. So he would always oh, pull wow. me back a little bit, which was a great balance. He and I have been a great balance uh, for one another over the past decade. And um, he would help direct me in a, in a positive fashion, which I think helped immensely because otherwise there could have been um, terminations yeah. that weren't necessary just because I was trying to get uh, make a point, I guess. Right, right. Sounds like a smart man. And it sounds like when he opens his mouth, all I hear is experience. So uh, terrific. So what types of things happen and so you're on the job you're really setting the tempo there you're really trying to make a name for yourself it's tough because you're you walk in the room uh we have listeners obviously and they cannot see what heather looks like and heather is a very pretty very attractive woman um very uh she gives off a positive energy when she walks in the room i think that people would want to be around her but I also think that comes with a price. I think when someone shows up to a job, I don't care if you're a male or a female, they're gonna assume certain things, which isn't fair, but that's the way the world works. So they assume that maybe you didn't earn your spot, you didn't earn your keep, you didn't earn your position, but you did. What other types of things did you experience on the job that were challenges that most people will face? I mean, I've met uh, very attractive young ladies who went to Brown, who went to Harvard, and people don't understand how intelligent and how worldly and how just professional these individuals are. Explain your more of your hurdles so they understand that you know it's, it was no picnic. Well, this is this is a this is a real beauty. So um, unfortunately, I've made a number of bad choices in my life, and I made a pretty serious bad choice one night on the very front end of my job. So I, went, I, I think I, I couldn't have been there more than 30 or 60 days. I had this amazing new boss. Remember, I'd come from a, a really challenging boss, and now I had this amazing new boss. I was trying to create this new life in a new community, and I was trying to establish myself as a leader who deserved the position she was in and actually deserved more because I wanted to advance quickly. So based upon what I'd already accomplished, one of the things that you need to do in any sales position is create relationships and create them quickly, right? So you need to drive some value. So I got out within the community. I established relationships with people. And one of the ways that I do that is spending time with them outside of work. So I go to a lot of dinners, a lot of cocktail parties, and I entertain people. And that's a big part of my job. It's a big part of people's jobs in sales. And I was spending time. I went to dinner with one of our largest clients. This guy was a, a real player and a huge name in the marketplace. Took him to dinner and we were drinking wine at dinner. I, again, I was like 26 years old, brand new in Naples. And I'm a half an hour away from my house. And I drove home from the dinner. So I end up getting pulled over that night. I oh, had boy. never run into a situation like this in my life before. I'm brand new in the market, brand new in the job. I get pulled over and I have to walk the line. And it's pouring rain out. It, the, the situation is not good. I have a white t-shirt on, I'm 26 years old. It's really an ugly event. Mm. So I get put in the back of a police car and um, I'm taken in. Again, I'm there by myself. I don't have family there. I don't know anybody because I'm brand new in the market and I'm out to dinner with one of my clients who's huge in the marketplace. So I get brought in. I endure a very negative situation with the police officers based upon um, my outfit and the, the climate conditions outside. And um, 
bottom line is they basically throw my name out, put me into this giant pit in this, um, I don't know, I guess it's just this jail holding area. I mean, it's Naples. It's not, you know, yeah. the worst situation. It's not in the world. Compton, but it's exactly. not it's still jail. Oh, it's not good. Yeah. This is not good. I'm in an orange outfit. I mean, this is, You're I was the strip search. I mean, oh, this thing boy. was ugly. So I'm in this place. It's horrible. And I'm there for over a day. Finally, I get a knock on this glass and I'm sitting there and everything I'm saying to myself in this window of time is they just kept playing Arnold Schwarzenegger kindergarten cop this playing and playing and playing and I'm sitting and the bathroom is in the middle of the I mean, I can't show you I can't depict to you how awful this situation is um, and I'm sitting there. I'm literally at this point rocking myself like in a little tiny corner. I had decided to give my food to people just to get by. So people liked me and would look out for me. It was not a good situation. So I was definitely unique in, in that group of people. Finally, a knock on the glass and a, a female cop says, you know, with her finger, get over here. So I run to the glass. She says, didn't I see you in here yesterday? I said, yes. She said, how, what did you do? I said, I got pulled over for speeding. And she said, what's your name? She gives it to me. My name wasn't in the system. This was insanity. I had had an argument with the officers the night before because of some of the comments they had made to me. And they tossed my name out. So no intentionally. one. Intentionally. Intentionally. <laughs> this ended up getting, the whole entire case got thrown out as a result of what, wow. what happened and um, what went down with the police officers. But bottom line is this. I was able to survive that situation, which might not sound horrific but i promise you this situation yeah. was horrific because of the kindness of this one woman she was able to get my name back in the system and get out i was able to get back to my condo now all right that sounds horrific what what, what was equally horrific remember that really nice boss guy i had uh -oh. now i have to call him and say this girl you just brought in from michigan that everyone thought was coming in here and making a name for herself and firing all these people and she's so impressed oh, she made a name for herself all right she made a name for herself oh. so in the most cowardly way what i did was i decided i can't face this guy so i'm gonna just send him my resignation that's something i really regret right so that was a real cowardly move and I sent him an email that just said, I am letting you know I resign and I made a bad choice and um, I don't want to embarrass you or the company, so I'm moving. He immediately called me and he said, what happened? And I told him and he said, do you think you're the first person that's ever been arrested in this company before? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, let me tell you something, you're not. He said, and I believe in people and I believe in you. He said, if you do something for me, you and I can see our way through this. And I said, what is that? And he said, you walk into that radio station tomorrow morning and you tell everybody what you did, what you did wrong. You own up to who you are and the mistakes you made. And you tell them that you'll work through them any way that you need to. If there's an issue or a problem, you'll discuss it in private and, and address it with them individually. But you're going to move through this. Can you do that as a leader? And I said, yeah, I, I can do that. And he said, OK, I need you to do that. Unfortunately, the press on the other side, because we're in media, people started talking about what I had done, the competitors. It was ugly. I had to go visit a couple of clients and tell them what I did. It was embarrassing. You know, I felt embarrassed about making bad choices. But he taught me something. He stuck by me in a time that I didn't know somebody would stick by me. I didn't have a lot of people like that in my life. And it made me feel really loyal to him, number one. And number two, it taught me something. Own up to what you do when you do something wrong. People will forgive you for that. The, the cowardly way is to run away and not deal with it. And I would have been weaker as a result. So I appreciate that he challenged me to do that. I appreciate he supported me. And I was lucky to have someone that gave me another shot. What a huge opportunity to learn a powerful lesson, right? I, I mean, I, if he wouldn't have done that, I firmly believe that you may have been be running away from everything for the rest of your life, really. Uh, I interviewed a, on the, the Magnum Method podcast a, a very well-known athlete. And he said, you know, when you are at your worst and you're at rock bottom, you quickly learn he calls it the bus. When, I, when he first started, everyone was on his bus. He wasn't sure who would be on his bus that he could trust or who was going to be an ally or the people he could depend on. Later on in his career, toward the end, uh, he, it took him a long time to learn some things. And he said, I know exactly who's on my bus. And I know exactly who I can call at 3 a.m. who's going to help me. When I was a rookie, I had no idea. I thought everyone would help me. I thought everyone was my friend. But it seems like you learned this stuff your, the hard way. And this man, as we 
you keep speaking. He sounds like an incredible guy. I want to work for this guy. <laughs> yeah, everybody so, does. He's amazing. <laughs> he sounds like a great, great person. So shout out to him. Um, so you make amends. You you face the team. You take the most important step, which is taking responsibility, and you move forward. Uh, and tell us more. From there, things really got good, right? So it's sort of like that roller coaster ride of life that I can point to in any different window in my life. You know, um, this was just one of those windows. It got really ugly and really bad, and then it got a lot better. So I really made a commitment to delivering for these guys, and this drove me to another level because I wanted to show them they made the right choice by sticking by me. And it meant so much that they were behind me and that he stuck behind me. So um, we killed it, and we did an amazing job. We were the top producing marketplace in our company. And within a year, I went to him, my boss again, and I said, listen, I, I've done what I told you I'd come here to do. I'm ready for the next step, and I need you to give me the next opportunity. And I want to be in charge of sales for the whole company, not just for one marketplace. And um, they ended up interviewing other people for the job and came back to me and said, you're the best person for it, and, and you've got that opportunity. So I was able to advance to another level within this great organization and, and still working for a great guy. Incredible. And through all these experiences and just making some tough choices and just learning so much, um, and I feel like I've already learned so much in uh, uh, a quick 20 minutes about yourself, you come up with this idea and this concept, and the idea and concept is to empower young women, correct? Mm -hmm. And when and how did you decide to do this? Why did you decide this is so important? So this has been a lifelong um, venture. This is not something that just happened one day. It wasn't just like some great idea I came up with. You know, growing up, I di my mom wasn't around a lot. I didn't um, really have a figure in my life that was developing and guiding me. And I certainly didn't know life could be different than what it was that I knew at that time. And, and at that time when I was younger, it wasn't great. But again, I didn't know different. So it was it was just life. It was fine. But I didn't understand there was access to doing what you love and creating the life you want to lead and and that you're in charge of the direction of your I didn't understand that whole thing that I'm just grasping really now that I'm 41 years old. So for me, knowing that and knowing I didn't have that guidance and then next level getting into the business world and having every mentor of mine and leader of mine be a man, you know, so it was I didn't have women teaching me or advising me or directing me which in some ways you need that unique person that can understand those challenges that are specific to women that, that you endure and that you're faced with because it is a little bit different not always I mean there's a lot of things there's a lot of commonalities there for men and women but there are some unique situations that it is nice when you can align yourself with someone that understands and has gone through them so for me this has been a lifelong journey of realizing how do I give people access to me and the fact that you can't judge a book by a, its cover? You, you can look at me on the outside and say, oh, wow, that girl's got it together and everything's perfect. Oh, hell no. That's not real. And I'm not perfect. And I'm divorced. And I've gone through hell and back. And I grew up in a, a, a not so great situation, to put it mildly. You know, there has been tremendous adversity and challenge and unhappiness and fear and I want people to know that's real. Growing up for me, when I would see successful women, they look perfect and beautiful and happy and married and smart and different than me. But what I now know at 41 is they're no different than me. They just might not be open and courageous to be transparent, but I want to be that person. I want to be transparent. I want to be courageous and I want to make myself vulnerable because when I do it, I feel better about myself, which helps me, and I get feedback from women that it's really helping them. So to me, that's... Um, that's really what's driving th this whole initiative. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so there's not a lot of people out there who want to give back. And I firmly believe that if you are fortunate enough to reach a certain level, it's very, very important. It's so important to send the elevator back down. And you're doing that. So you've built up quite a following on uh, social media. But how can people you know, reach Heather? Because I'm sure that after, after this podcast goes on, we are very fortunate to have a... A, a great following um, when young ladies listen to this and they want to reach out to you how are they reaching out to you now and tell it maybe tell us a story about someone who's reached out to you and how you're just kind of mentoring them a little bit along the way 
So first of all, um, please follow me at Heather Monahan on on all social channels. I, I would love to interface with you and and, um, and and hear back from all of you first and foremost. And and secondly, I have a website heathermonahan.com. So um, my content's going live there in the next week, and I really I'd love to hear feedback. What you know, how I can help, and and what you need to know. Questions you have, any way that I can help provide access to my life and transparency into who I am so that you don't have to deal with the challenges and obstacles that I've had to address. I'm, I'm, I'm here to help in any way I can. And, and that is, um, I mean, I, I can't express that enough. So um, I, I guess for me, what's interesting is, you know, my whole life, people ask me for advice or feedback. And you know how people call you and say, hey, I'm doing this and that. Can you help me? I've never noticed it. And one day, one of my friends said to me, do you know that everybody calls you for this and that and, and for feedback and advice? I said, you know what? That's my life. So I don't really notice it. And then I thought, if I can be helpful to these people and they're in my circle, right? I can only press the flesh and see them and make eye contact with so many. How do I scale that? How can I be more helpful and accessible to more people? And the irony is I'm in the media business, right? And we've got these amazing digital properties and sites and amazing social channels and events. And this is what I do for a living. And I'm constantly in front of clients and trying to explain to them that our brands, our properties, our personalities are accessible 24 seven and we can do it at scale. And I realized I clicked, I can do that at scale as well, right? I'm not um, a radio personality, but, but I'm somebody who's got an important message that can get out that can help people. And I want to be accessible 24 seven. So I am online. I, you know, I do have my site. I am on social channels. I am there for people. I don't want people to have to be alone. And that's for women and men, you know, um, again, I think my story lends itself to women because there's a lot of unique situations there, but I've also been told by a lot of my people not to limit myself to that. And I don't want to, I don't want men to feel that I'm not accessible or there to support them because I definitely am. Um, a, a funny story, I was at the gym one day and a young girl walked up to me and started crying and said, "You, these videos you're doing, they're speaking to me and I just wanted to thank you. And it was in that moment I understood that was me, you know, whatever, 25 years ago or 20 years ago. And if you can touch one person and help one person, my cup runneth over. I mean, that's yeah. the moment you say, oh my God, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. I'm putting myself out there and someone got some value from it. I can't ask for a lot more than that. Absolutely. And you're not hanging on to it. You're certainly sharing that. And that speaks volumes for the person you are. So congrats. That's, that's terrific, really. You, you know, I, I can only imagine how it can be. And we have one, you know, it's very different. But we happen to have one uh, female personal trainer on our staff and because um you know quote unquote her boss i hear the stories on how she's treated sometimes and i tell you it's no picnic i I mean i feel for her because some of these experiences no one should have to go through and I, i don't really appreciate how she's treated sometimes but you know I don't think like she could turn to me obviously but what you said is very powerful you need a strong female figure that can understand uh the rips and the currents of the waters and it can give you some feedback and you're certainly a person that i'm actually going to share your information with her because yeah, i think you could give uh spread a lot of light on those topics and the challenges that she goes through that being said what advice would you give to young women I know that, I mean, it's probably so many things, but what would you say the three things uh, that you would pass on? Let's say, let's let's break this down a little bit to a younger Heather. What would you give, uh, what three things would you give to a young Heather? We say, watch out for, or you giving her some advice. You understand what's going on now. You've had tons of experience. These, you know, trials and tribulations these stories what would you tell yourself your 20 year old self your 25 year old self oh my god appreciate your skin because you are so good looking and you <laughs> think you you're always questioning if you look good this is the craziness mark of women right is that oh my god when i think about me at 25 i had it made it was getting ready in the morning was literally rolling out of bed and i looked fabulous but i always questioned you know, oh, do I look good enough? Do I have the right clothes on? <sighs> negative, negative. I was so negative towards myself. It, it's actually really sad. And 
it's all, you know, it's all rooted in a lot of insecurity and just negative self-talk. So one, don't treat yourself badly. If you wouldn't speak to someone you love in your life like that, why would you speak to yourself, right? So, so let's do this. Instead, let's change the conversation and force yourself to do it. And this is weird. And I know people will probably think, oh, my gosh, what is she talking about? But this works, right? So if you find yourself, I don't care, you know, male or female, in a situation where you're providing negative self-talk in your head, change it and just change the dialogue and write down five nice things you can say to yourself and then say it every day. And again, it sounds a little weird and it feels weird. When I work out and, I'm, and I see myself in a mirror, I make myself do it and I say, you are good enough and you know what? You are beautiful and you are kind and you are a sweet person and you're going to do this and you can do this and, and the steps are, are appearing before you, Heather, and keep moving forward. These are the conversations I have with myself when I work out. Okay, a little odd, a little strange, but guess what? They work, right? So it's like creating this vision for yourself and treating yourself with kindness and love. When you do that, things are going to start to turn for you. So that's one. That's pretty powerful. Um, two is... You got to create some boundaries and, and and respect for yourself. I I went through the recession as a VP or EVP. I don't remember at the time of Beasley Media and you know responsible for a lot. I was under tremendous pressure. We had to let go a lot of people. It was a very difficult time, not just for me, for everybody, right? And not just my company. It was a horrible time in '09. Well, I also happened to be getting divorced that year. I had a one-year-old baby boy, uh, maybe one and a half at the time. It was an ugly, ugly time. What I remember when I think back to that time, well, I remember a lot of things, but one of the things that sticks out to me, I gave birth and I went back to work a week later. I went back because my CEO called me and asked me to speak at an event. I was so scared and so down on myself that I thought, oh my God, I better go. I've got to make this happen. And I was breastfeeding my son. I was going through this horrible time with my ex-husband and I, I felt insecure and down. And I didn't respect myself enough to say, you know what, I'd love to speak at this event for you. I can't make it. I just had a baby 10 days ago, right? Which seems pretty normal to say. But when you're really down on yourself and scared and, and times are tough, I made, I made some poor decisions and I didn't respect myself. I didn't set boundaries. And that's another piece of advice I would give to women. You need to create those boundaries. People might not treat you well the way that you reference your, your trainer. And maybe there's some, some clients here not treating her well. Well, you know, we've got to create some boundaries for her so that they know they can't treat her that way because that's unacceptable. And it's, you can't control everybody else, but you can control you and your behaviors, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's another, another tip that I would um, share with my younger self. Um, and the other thing is haters. You know, haters are going to come out. And the more you put yourself out there, the more they're going to come. The more unique you are and the more you provide access and elevate yourself and succeed, they're going to come in droves. So tuning them out and realizing it's about them. It's not about you. And... If you're getting haters, it's because you're doing something new and different and innovative and you can feel good about that and excited about that. Even though we all have our moments, right, Mark? I'm sure you're in the same boat I am where it, it, it hurts, it stings. I, I had a moment, um, this is a few years ago, I spoke at a really big event. It was one. Of, it was my biggest you know, large-scale event where I was on a jumbotron speaking and I was nervous and my feet were sweating and I didn't want food in my teeth and I prepped and I practiced and I got up there and it ended up that the next presenter wasn't there and the person to receive the world award wasn't there and I just, I was winging it and I, and I pulled it together and it worked and it was positive and I was so proud of myself and I thought, you know what, this is my moment and I'm shining and this is amazing and great job, Heather. And I was having this positive self-talk and I got off the stage and everyone was running up to me and giving me great feedback and I went to the ladies room later that night and I was feeling so good about myself and a guy grabbed my arm and said, I want to say something to you and I said, sure, because I'm assuming this is, you know, it's going to give me this great feedback. And he leveled me, and, and he just basically said that the only reason why people applauded was because of the way I looked in my dress. And, you know, he, it was really negative. Ugh. Unfortunately, the good news is this, right? So that, that's prepped me for a lifetime of haters because, like I said, they're, they're everywhere. Um, but I learned something that night. He crushed me, and I went in the bathroom, and I cried and cried, and I came out, and my friends were there, and they saw I was upset. And I had someone stand up for me, a guy, a really good guy friend, and he chased that guy down, and he made him come and apologize to me. <laughs> And it, it was this great experience nice for me. It was yeah. amazing to learn, like, 
it's like those situations where you have the good boss and you have the good friend and when they stick by you in those bad times you realize the love and encouragement and the circle you you've created around you and the good choices you are making and it really lifts you up so for me that was an amazing moment and the next day that same friend sent me an article that president obama had written you know whether you're a fan or not of him is irrelevant but the article is about the amount of haters that he has and how he realizes it's really about them it's not about him and when i process that i agreed right so that guy hated me for whatever it was i represented to him but for me i didn't have to internalize it i didn't have to cry and get upset you know that was all about him i needed to create the boundaries and shake his hand off me and say don't touch me because you have you know i don't know who you are and you know what back away from me and i don't need to listen to your harassment you know i didn't say that i lost my voice in that moment but that doesn't happen any longer I've now set boundaries and I now recognize when the haters come out, that's about them, their insecurities and their failures. That's not about me. And that's the message I would want to send to young girls as well. Amazing. That's a perfect and terrific message. And we all deal with that at some point, really. The better you become at something, the more success you have in anything, you will deal with haters. You will deal with more haters. They people will work twice as hard to go out of their way to find flaws in anything you do. And a friend of mine told me something. He saw it on a social media channel, but we laugh all day about it. Haters will see you walk on water and tell you that's because you can't swim. (laughs) I mean, it, it is absolutely crazy. People, you know, no matter how hard you work or what you do, I remember I'm sponsored by a supplement company uh, called Muscle Tech, and they said we want to put a video up, a workout for you of you, Mark, every week, every Wednesday, for example. And I was like, I don't know, I'm really going to put myself out there. So I would do a video and send it to them, and they would put it up on their channel. I would get a thousand comments, 990 comments were ripping into my soul. This guy's out of shape, he's too skinny, he's too fat, he's got no muscles in his body, he's ugly, he doesn't know what he's doing, he has no education. I remember reading it like, oh, this is my moment, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna look at the uh, uh, video and get all this praise. I turn it on, I almost cried. I'm thinking, how can that many people hate me? This is insane. And I remember thinking, you know what, Mark, it's exactly what Heather said. People are merely telling you who they are and about their limitations. That's what they're saying about you is how they think of themselves. And it's amazing, Heather, that I let it beat me up. I let it beat me up for weeks, for months, and I felt terrible about it. And I didn't realize that it had nothing to do with me. And Psychology 101 would tell you that anyone who goes out of their way to rip into another person's soul has serious problems so don't pay it any mind and I always think uh, this is my approach now Heather I think is this person's comment going to matter to me in a month in two months in three months absolutely not I'll never remember this person no one will so it's all good keep going forward keep it going so that's a great lesson Um, uh, great great information uh, for young Heather and young people with all the success you've had in, in you know you kept going and it, there's so many different things integrity knowledge courage decisiveness dependability what would you say are the pillars of success that lead you to the place that you're in now so i guess my pillars of success are um most importantly listening to yourself right so when i was younger i didn't necessarily listen to myself i always heard that instinct or or voice you know not like little voices speaking your heads but you know what i mean you kind of just felt i anyway this is how i felt i would be in a meeting and i would think oh that's wrong heather speak up but i wouldn't speak up so it's taken years to get to this point now i speak up and probably drive people crazy with as much as i speak up but having a different perspective and different angle actually adds value right you can surround yourself with a table of yes men there's not a lot of value there that means you got an insecure leader, right? You need people to challenge you. I need people to challenge me and make me better. If I'm not getting better, if I'm not challenged, how am I going to see it differently? So that's one thing I've learned is, is really challenge yourself to be you, speak up, and let your voice be heard. You might be wrong sometimes. So what? At least you're contributing. So that's been a, that's been a pillar of my success. Um, 
another pillar is having the courage to move through fear, right? So I look back on the challenges I've had in life and in growing up specifically and and some of these other topics we've covered, you know, today. It being afraid means you're onto something. If you're afraid, you are at the cusp of something. And if you have the courage to actually lean into it and move through it, everything you want is going to be on that other side. You have to have the courage to move through and not stop yourself. And so many people stop, myself included. I've stopped myself. I've held myself back. This is not um, unique to anybody. We've all had our moments. We've held ourselves back. But when you actually have the courage to move through it, you're going to be so pleased with, with what's on the other side. So moving through the fear is massive to me. Um, and I would say another pillar for success, I mean, it's, it's not brilliant. Really, it's outworking everybody, right? So keep your, keep your business together. Stay organized. Prepare. I prepare for everything. I prepared today. I told you I was making yeah. calls. I don't think, know anything about a podcast. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I think, do your homework. Work hard. Just the basics. You'd be shocked in business how many people just don't do the basics get ready for work look good have your car prepared have your paperwork prepared think about who you're meeting with do research on people just be smart and try hard again to succeed is right it doesn't take all that much effort but um those little things make a huge difference a huge difference even today i find that people like look not all people i'm so fortunate so blessed uh and appreciate being surrounded by some highly motivated, extraordinary people who really don't shy away from work. And that's why we have what we have here at Anatomy at 1220. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who will do anything to avoid hard work. And they'll say, hey, Mark, I'm not about uh, working hard. I'm more about working smarter. I'm like, yeah, but, dude, you have to work hard and smart. You got to do both. You, no matter what, you're going to have to work hard. At, at one point, you're going to have to work hard. And everyone wants to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. They don't realize that. My, and I always reference this. Mark Zuckerberg was doing code for 10 years when people were making fun of him and he was stuck in his room and he was working his butt off. It didn't happen overnight. For him, it maybe took 10 or 12 years to make an overnight success. Meryl Streep, it took her 30 years to make an overnight success. And when you ask her now, she says, I have a lot of work to do. I'm not a good actress. Meryl Streep, she's incredible. So, you know, these people invest their lives and they're making huge sacrifices giving up huge chunks of their life to be successful. Uh, speaking of sacrifice and giving up uh, time and committing to something, you also happen to be a mom. And I know a lot about single moms because I was raised by one. And that is a very challenging job. And you happen to be raising a young man. And tell us what it's like being a, you know, positive, hardworking, boss in heels, uh, boss lady who's raising a young man. What's that like? Well, it's the best job I ever found, right? So um, it's been the most amazing experience of my entire life, hands down. I, I can't even put words to it. This guy, I have a nine-year-old son, Dylan, who inspires me every day. And really, he's the guy that drives me through the fear, right? Because when I'm afraid, I was afraid to launch this brand and I knew I'd get negative feedback from some people and, and maybe some people wouldn't like or value what I had to say and, and there was moments I really felt insecure about it. But then I stopped and I thought to myself, who do I want my son to be? I want him to be someone who follows his heart first and, and follows his passion in life and allows everything else to come after that and to be who he really is and to help others. And by me doing this, I'm setting the example for him that I want him to be able to live, whatever that might be for him, right? It doesn't have to be my dream or, or my passion. I just want him to know it, your life can be whatever you want it to be and you can be happy and, and give back and follow your, your heart and, and make that your future. So for me, he propels me. He drives me and inspires me every day. Um, and he really pushes me to be better. So being a working mom is hard, right? I mean, there's no easy way around it. And I, I hate when people try to make it seem like, oh, you know, anyone can nail this and there's balance and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think there is, right? There, I haven't figured it out. So if someone's got the cliff notes on that, send them over. Yeah. But it, um, I haven't figured it out yet. And, and when I'm killing it at work and I'm on work trips and I'm in other cities and I'm out at dinners and I forget to call him because I'm in a negotiation 
and I feel like a bad mother when I go to bed at night, that's all real. And I was on a work trip a couple of weeks ago and it happened to be a Friday night dinner that we had with a big client and I had to be there. And I I couldn't be at his Saturday morning soccer game for the playoffs and I missed it. And to tell you that when I got a phone call that my son got injured in that game and his father couldn't be there either because his father's working and, you know, pushing himself to deliver and he was out of the country on a work trip, neither one of us was there. So when I got to see my son that next day, he started crying and I said, what happened? And he said, I had to be carried off the field by the coach and sit with somebody else's mom because my mom wasn't there. That's a tough moment, right? And I don't wish that on anybody, but... I explained to him, I'm doing my best to provide for us and create a life that you and I both feel good about. And I know that this day stunk and it wasn't good for you. And I'm really sorry. But you know what? We have to get through these moments together. And I'm grateful for that mom that was there for him. And and it taught him that you don't have to just rely on one person. There are other amazing people in your life that can be there in a pinch. And again, it wasn't ideal. We got through it. And my whole new focus is not to beat myself up when things like that happen, but instead try to turn it into a positive. Absolutely. Great message. And well, I say it once again, I don't know anything about being a single parent, but I do know something about being the son of a single parent. And my mother, you, you'll take uh, ease in this, would go out of her way to do things like that. So... A little bit of not being there is actually okay because it shows him how to stand on his own. And my mother specialized in that. And not because she didn't care. She cared very much. She cared up and down. And I don't think anyone cared as much as my mom for their child. I'm sure you do. We're all in competition. But the point is that she knew that when Mark has to fend for himself or take care of himself, good things will happen. Because she's not always going to be there. God rest her soul. And I'll tell you something. It was probably the most important lessons i've learned standing on my own without her help even though she may have a watchful eye from the sidelines but it was a great lesson to learn a great oh, lesson thank to you learn. for sharing that yeah. i appreciate hearing that that oh. impacted you in a positive way positive way absolutely okay boston heals mom to a tough young man and moving up in the world empowering young women where do you see yourself in your own personal brand uh, over the next three to five years where would you like to be you know, Boston Heels, first of all, I, I want to shed some light on this. I've had some people ask me what that means and if I'm talking about how I look and wearing heels. No. So I want to bring some clarity to that. You know, Boston Heels for me means growing up for me, I always had a white, older male boss, right? So I think that probably a lot of people are in that situation that I was, you know, going back 20 years ago. And today in a more modern, different world, in 2016, Boston Heels means to me leading and being who you are simultaneously and being unique, being yourself and really having power and standing strong in that. And for me, that's being a woman. Part of who I am as a leader is a woman. And I'd like to celebrate that. I don't want to have to hide from that as I used to feel when I was younger that I had to be a certain way. Remember we talked about I had to go in there and fire everybody and make this name. Now I don't feel like that. I feel like I need to celebrate who I am, stand strong and courageous in who I am and celebrate who I am. I'm unique and different than other people out there. And I'm really proud of that. And I think other people should feel that same way. I'm interested in supporting my people, helping them get to their goals, supporting my partners, believing in and being there for everybody. And it's a different way of leading. So Boston Heels is sort of um, a very meaningful hashtag to me. Um, As far as where this brand goes, if I continue to get people to come up to me at the gym or elsewhere once a year, I'm gonna be happy. I just wanna make a difference in somebody's life. If I can impact those younger versions of me and be that example or insight that I didn't have, it's gonna mean the world to me. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that you mentioned you're a leader now and, and we talked about when you went in, you went in commanding respect, you had a strong message to send and you got respect. Um, you let everyone know who you were and you just kind of went full throttle, full speed ahead. What would you say is the, probably the most important thing that a leader must have? Because we're all about people who are powerful, people who are leaders, people who have found their niche in, in their industry. But you're a leader, and you, you're in charge of a lot of things over at Beasley Media Group. What's the most important uh, characteristic or ingredient a leader should have? And you say, man this person has it or this person doesn't has it have it excuse me but what are you looking for 
in a leader because you are a leader i want to hear it from you and the young ladies want to hear it out there the young men everyone wants to hear it tell us i don't think there's one thing right so there's a number of different skill sets and attributes that you look for when you're hiring or bringing or elevating someone to a leadership position for me i think what sticks out when i look at myself and what makes me different is my commitment to change and innovation having the courage to innovate you know because this goes back to the haters and the naysayers having the courage to look at things differently and then move forward and take risks to implement those changes a lot of people aren't going to like them but if you don't evolve and change as a business and as a person and challenge those around you to grow you're not getting backwards you're not getting better you're moving backwards You've got to find ways to change. So I think that that's what makes me unique as a leader. That's what I look for in, in, in people around me, leaders around me, and people I'm bringing on my team, elevating on my team. I want someone to challenge me. I've got to find ways to get better, and I need people who have the courage to stand up to me and to give me their opinion, their perspective, and find ways to improve and get better. Awesome. I, I know in our industry, we, we're constantly throwing ourselves back into the mix for continuing education and just learn everything. Uh, the body is the body. Now, what, how the body's constructed and the mechanics of the body really don't, don't change personal, uh, in our industry well, unless there's structural damage. However, the protocols can change. They can be manipulated. They can be modified. Uh, how we approach the body, that can change. How do you and your position, because you're in a position of power, you're a leader, how do you continually get better? I mean, it's, it's not like a continuing education platform but I mean, do you go to seminars? What is it? How do you keep learning about your industry? What do you do that's impactful that's gonna help take you to the next level as high as you are? So I think a, a lot of that has to do with the network that you've created, right? Accessing people that are coming at things from a different angle, um, pushing yourself to try different things, being here today, right? This is something different. Anytime you put yourself out there and try something different, new and unique, you're going to grow from that. Reading. I'm constantly reading. I hated reading in school. I was not um, a scholar. I was not someone going to bed at night with a book. I find myself now reading the newspaper, reading trades, reading different books that are recommended to me by my peers and by my network and my circle of really empower, empower, empowering people that are helping me to get better that group that you choose to surround yourself with, you know, that, that close network of, of people that um, they're on that same wavelength that you are. They want to get ahead. They want to get better. And they're coming at everything from a different angle than you are. That network's going to help advance you as well as going to seminars, trainings, and different opportunities my company provides me. Awesome. So this is something we, I mean, I see you in the future, by the way. I was making notes as you were speaking. I'm wondering when I'm going to be on your podcast, when you're going to be on stage, and when you're going to do your speaking tour. I'm sure that's around the corner. If not, you're already doing it. So I see you doing all those things, as well as maybe a TED Talk. That'd be terrific for empowering young women. Make sure you do that. You should do it soon, ASAP, before someone else jumps on it that's hearing this. <laughs> um, okay. So we've covered a lot here, and I understand a little bit more about who you are, a little bit more about where you want to be. Now, the way people recognize you, we were talking off air and I said, you know, someone may approach you in, you know, the, the down the street in the restaurant or the local juice shop and they're gonna recognize you for a lot of different reasons, uh, for your message, for your videos, your friends. Your friends know you in and out. You're a close, intimate circle of friends. Give us three words that they would use to describe you, your closest friends. I hate this question. Um, okay, I'm going to um, think about a very good friend I have that you and I have in common and think what she would say about me. I think that I, I'm hopefully I'm not being a complete narcissist right now, but I think that I inspire my friends. Um, I'm loyal. I am loyal as the day is long. Like ride or die, you can't shake me. I will be there for you no matter what. And I'm looking out for you. I've got your back. So definitely loyal, um, inspiring, and funny. I think I'm pretty funny. So I don't know if we've gotten to really touch on that point um, in this podcast. But you're um, funny. You're telling jokes, or you? <laughs> no, I'm like a lot of fun. I'm a fun <laughs> guy. I'm a pretty fun guy. Okay, understood. Perfect. No, those are great. Okay. Um, that brings us to our speed round of questions. Now, 
we've already before we hit the speed round let's why don't you give me your social media handles one more time to make sure that they follow you at heather monahan please follow me on instagram twitter facebook hit me up my website heathermonahan.com can't wait for you to check it out awesome now we go into a speed round of questions these are just fun questions to learn a little bit more about heather in brutal honesty okay love it favorite food french fries Oh, pretty honest. <laughs> regular French fries, duck fat, sweet potato. Ew, no, regular, regular. Okay. Favorite ritual? Favorite ritual? Running is my favorite thing that I could ever do. Running. What's your distance? Three miles, five miles, eight miles? I don't do distance anymore ever since I blew out my knee. Now it's just like getting on a treadmill and you know, running and sprints. Yeah, intervals. Okay. What happened to the knee? ACL? Uh, no, the inner, what is it called? Uh, menial. The, the MCL. The MCL. Okay, understood. Favorite pastime? Going to the beach. Beach. Are you active on the beach or are you just kind of napping on the beach? What do you think? Active. Active. Yep. I already know the answer to this one. <laughs> Favorite sports team? The Patriots! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that everyone's favorite sport team? No, but I really am. <laughs> no, I'm no. from the well, hood. Well, she's from the hood, I'm so that's okay. Yeah, and David Ortiz, Boston Red Sox. David yeah, Ortiz. Baby. How can you not love David Ortiz or Tom Brady? Coffee. I know. It's like the people that don't like Tom Brady, I don't Something's even think they're wrong. I don't think they're American. Agreed. Okay, favorite athlete Ortiz? David Ortiz. Yeah, David Ortiz, big poppy. Favorite movie of all time. <gasps> Say anything. Do you remember that with John Cusack? Oh my god, I love that movie. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I just did the uh, radio above my head. John Cusack. That's terrific. That's a great movie. A great I don't want to buy, sell, bought. <laughs> that's a great scene that's a great scene favorite book he, I'm reading right now you are a badass I don't know if you've heard about this Jen Sincero I think wrote it it's amazing very inspiring and motivating Jen Sincero who is that I don't she's this woman who's all about empowering women and and um, providing guidance in regards to getting ahead and believing in yourself it's and that's the title you are a badass and oh nice fantastic and the name one more time you are a badass. No, but uh, you love saying that. I like saying badass. Okay, but the author, sorry. I think it's Jen Sincero, okay. S-I-N-C-E-R-O. Perfect. Favorite TV show? I don't really watch TV, so this is kind of funny. I watch little kid TV shows with my nine-year-old, so Kirby Buckets is hysterical for anyone who has children. Awesome. Favorite type of music? Ghetto thug life rap. Yeah, all day. That is funny. Favorite quote? Favorite quote. There are so many great Steve Jobs quotes, and I admire him so much. But I'll tell you, a really good friend of mine at work, a peer of mine, a, a partner, and a great friend, Tucker Flood, who is an amazing guy in my life, says this to me. If it was easy, everybody be doing it. And I love that because it just reminds you in those moments you're really struggling, don't give up. Because if it was easy to be you, everyone would be there. That's absolutely true. I miss one. I got to go back. Um, favorite musical artist? Currently, it's Drake. <laughs> nice. Favorite, you said favorite quote, mentor. Oh my gosh. I have a lot of amazing mentors. I said, I think, but right now I would say I have this amazing woman, Lisa Blum in my life who recently overcame cancer. She's an amazing wife, mother, top performer and inspiration in me. I, I just love her so much. So um, it would be Lisa Blum. Okay. Perfect. Shout out to Lisa. Nike or Adidas? Adidas. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Ew, LeBron. Is this really a question? Michael Jordan. Does anyone say LeBron James? Not in Miami. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Favorite actor? That's a tough one. I don't think, can I not have one? Do I not have a favorite actor? Um, oh, I love right now Jennifer Lawrence. I saw this movie that I think is exceptional. Um, it's called Joy. It is amazing, inspirational, and whenever I have a bad day, I fire that thing up on On Demand and I worship it. Yeah, she's serious. Have you seen uh, Silver Line? Silver Linings Playbook? I haven't. You need to watch that tonight. <laughs> Movie. I walked out of there thinking that's a terrific movie. All right, gonna fire it up. as well. Okay, last one. If you could have dinner with anyone 
modern day or from history. This is important and it's going to be serious. It could, it could be funny. Actually, I have another question after that. <laughs> okay. Who would it be? I guess my parents, they live in Seattle. I don't see them very often. And um, it would be really nice to get to see the, the two of them together. Very thoughtful. Okay, this is the last one, I promise. If you could put one phrase or word on a giant billboard for everyone to see, what would that word be? Oh my gosh, so many just flashed in my mind, right? Um, so I have to pick one. This is really hard. Um, I would say confidence, you know, just you got to have confidence. So believe in yourself. Confidence is it. Confidence, baby. So thank you so much to the Boston Heels. Heather, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. And listen, we want to have you back sometime. I'm in. We're going to have you back and maybe we'll bring one of your younger, uh, empowered ladies on the show. And you just will vibe out. Thank you for everything. Please, Father, the Boston, follow, excuse me, the Boston Heels. Thank you very much, Heather, for being on the show. Thanks for the opportunity, Mark.